0: to another episode of laser graves i am your co-host ek wimmer
1: hey ear kukog <laughs> oh I'm man this
0: is really getting just progressively worse as the episodes <laughs> go on it's uh,
1: a deconstructionist
0: yeah okay it's really conceptual art at this point uh-huh. how you doing
1: i'm great i've rediscovered naked and afraid okay <laughs> So, yeah, you've
0: been binge watching that.
1: Well, I've watched a total of three episodes, but yes, so n- normally, I've only ever watched that at a hotel as I'm falling asleep., mm-hmm. but I discovered it's on Hulu. Uh-huh. And now I have to skip the hunting parts because I'm vegan and it scares me. But I feel like two things could happen. Okay. I might destroy everybody, uh-huh, and just like build an empire or i would crawl up and die i'm not sure
0: okay well you know one or the other okay
1: that's it how are you uh,
0: i'm doing fine thanks for asking <laughs> so this week
1: we are <laughs> you just skated by <laughs> naked and afraid
0: Yeah, we are coming at you with a big big one we'll be kind of Sorry. holding this one holding it in our pocket like a little pet flying squirrel that we're gonna Show the class one day and let it fly around the room.
1: My first grade teacher, whose name was Mrs. Schlothhauser, so we all called her Mrs. S., she had a bunny, a class bunny, Uh and she let it hop around the room, and she was pretty creative with her problem solving for when the rabbit inevitably pooped. Uh-huh. She named the rabbit Pebbles and she told you it was good luck when it left Pebbles by your desk. <laughs>
0: oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Well, both our teachers did not have a killbot as a class pet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a segue. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. I got my shirt on.
1: You do. Got, got
0: my themed shirt. I'm in the mood. This is definitely one of our all time favorite movies. This week, we are talking about the 1986 classic Chopping Mall.
1: They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. it that meat. But you're never alone in the Chopping Mall. What's that? Robot life. We're shopping costs you an arm and a leg.
0: Okay, in full disclosure, because I I was kind of late to the game on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, we have been huge horror fans our whole lives. We've had uh, VHS and DVDs and you know posters and everything else, but we rarely would meet people. That also had that same passion for horror. But it wasn't until about three years ago when I had an Instagram for I still do for just my art and Mm -hmm. music and stuff. But I would try and show maybe a a horror movie and that crowd did not get it or identify. And I was like, man, this is a totally different world. So I kind of looked into it and discovered there was this whole wide world of a horror community. And I'm not joking when I say I'm that naive. Like I just had, I'm not a social media person and I didn't understand that this whole group existed out there. And Chopping Mall, which was always a very precious film to us, I we never really met really anybody who would just know what that was in conversation. I
1: don't, still don't think I have in person met anybody who has seen Chopping Mall, unless I have shown it to them. Yeah, I think
0: our old mutual acquaintance, Ted, um, director Ted, he he knew it for sure because he was a hardcore film buff, but I never knew anybody. We just, you couldn't talk about films like that. So when I got on Instagram to start showing tapes and stuff mm-hmm. and realized like not only was chopping mall like a common basically at yeah. this point everybody knows it but there was merchandise and blah 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 i was i just was blown away and I was so like, you
1: bought the shirt oh, you're wearing
0: no i didn't this was a gift but i was just really confused because i thought it was this like really cult uh you know, secret film that we only knew about only to find out that it's like totally basic when it comes to 101 cheesy 80s horror.
1: I think that our niche when we get to surprise people with our like super cool insider knowledge is weird art films.
0: Yeah, art films definitely are, people are not up to, to date, nor do they care. So right, you start to mention any kind of Czechoslovakian surrealism and everybody just checks out right away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Czechoslovakia doesn't even exist anymore That's so you've blown right. somebody's mind
0: right yeah there's your history lesson for the day all that is to say <laughs> is that chopping mall <laughs> turns out is incredibly popular and so we were on the fence about doing an episode because we we're like well I mean, everybody's done an episode on it
1: we might as well do the princess bride but then we realized
0: this was our film long before we knew it was everybody else's film too we're going to talk about our love for this today
1: Yes, and hold on, I think I might have just had a, like a flash of brilliance. What's that? What if we started doing double episodes, where we do one like Chopping Mall and one like Princess Bride within the same episode?
0: Okay, like a compare and contrast?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I feel like we could do it.
0: I feel. Oh, we could do it, for sure. I just don't know why we would do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, well... Sure, we'll put that on the the ideas board that's next to me.
1: Oh, is it the one that's right above the garbage can? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> with a little, uh with a little basketball hoop.
1: For Mariah's weird ideas? <laughs> no,
0: that's not true. All ideas are considered. Okay. Okay, well, Chopping Mall, when did we first discover this?
1: Oh, for sure high school.
0: Yeah, we were teenagers. Yep. And then just obsessively watched it
1: over and over.
0: We must have definitely had this on VHS cuz we watched it all the time. I was trying to think, you know, we
1: uh-huh.
0: we've shared this story before cuz I am a VHS collector that we had a ton and then we sold them when we went to college and we kept a, you know, a good chunk of them but slowly have been rebuilding and I can't mm-hmm. remember everything that we had, but we had a ton. Mm-hmm. And considering how much we watched this movie, this would have I'm, I'm sure we had this one. I just can't remember.
1: Well, and also there was that phase where you worked at a video store mm-hmm. and we were renting movies, I, I can't even give numbers. We have watched so many. and when you were working at that video store, and then there was a time when we moved near a video store and they had the five movies for 595 for five days. Oh, man, we went nuts. We went bonkers. Yeah,
0: but Chopping Mall has just been in our life for a really long time. It's a real top tier one for our household. You know, yeah. Chopping Mall, Killer Workout, Motel Hell. Like those are like mm-hmm. classics for the for the Laser Graves household.
1: They're the crystal on top of the pyramid.
0: For sure. That's like shooting a directional light onto a treasure.
1: And also sending a message to aliens.
0: That's true. That says, stay back. This is our treasure.
1: Get out. <laughs> Can you imagine if aliens found our movies?
0: Oh, they'd probably think they were pretty cool.
1: Yeah, probably. Anyway.
0: Unless they found The Watcher with Keanu Reeves. Then <laughs> they would just instantly blow up our planet.
1: I don't know. So we watched The Watcher in like, I don't know, undergrad or something. And we thought it was terrible. But I kind of feel like if we revisited Maybe it's gonna be like the best movie ever.
0: Maybe. We'll we'll give it a go. Okay. Maybe.
1: Tomorrow. Well, Chopping
0: Mall, let's get started. I think this is a fun one to dive into. This is not a walkthrough as much as just us kind of
1: nah. Working you've through seen it. it. We've seen it.
0: And you can watch or listen to a billion episodes on this, but We're all
1: consenting adults. Let's just let's, dig in. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. Get free. Let's get getting, loose. Get
0: naked and afraid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No! So, oh, also, before we even get started, sorry, we just got so much crap to discuss. We have a new Patreon feature that we started.
1: Ooh, yes.
0: Because I couldn't keep up with. I did one of the Patreon features was called the Chill Factor, which was me discussing film composers, and it turned out to be a ton of work and I am incredibly busy. Sorry, everybody. Thanks. But uh, it's I just
1: this has been not a really very busy up. season of our life. Yeah,
0: maybe I'll still get back to an episode here and there. But we were like, well, we need to do something different for that kind of level of our patrons, yeah. which is at patreon.com lasergraves But what we introduced is Contemporary Casual, where we do modern movie reviews and basically of a movie that just came out. Yeah. So we've got one on Willy's Wonderland and then we did another one right away on Mortal Kombat, the new one. Yep. So we'll be doing those every month now too. So uh, if you're into that, you want to hear us chat about very contemporary films, uh, sign up on Patreon. It's yeah. pretty fun. I'm really I, I enjoying think,
1: those. I think we'll just kind of do it anytime we watch a new... Movie, yeah, and it gives us an excuse
0: to watch new movies.
1: We should probably start at one on Naked and Afraid. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we should probably do a (laughs) special Patreon feature on Naked and Afraid. (laughs) Okay, well, so Chopping Mall, the history is pretty interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. It starts with the Egyptians. Yep, it starts with the Egyptians. No, it starts, of course, like most things that we love with Roger Corman. So Vestron, which you would know, we've done a lot of Vestron release movies for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Vestron in the mid '80s was trying to get into producing original movies,
1: Duh. and
0: they approached Julie Corman, who's Roger Corman's wife and creative partner, about a movie. They wanted to have a movie made that that they could produce about a slasher in a shopping mall. It's and no problem. She said, "Okay, sure, yeah, we could do that." And she turned to a young, very young director at the time named Jim Wynorski, which we are very familiar with in this household Mm -hmm. and fans of 80s horror will also be very familiar with. But at the time, Jim had only directed a single film. He had just done The Lost Empire. So he was still a fresh face. He was working for Roger Corman at the time Mm -hmm. and he was there and and she knew he wanted to direct. So she offered him this opportunity and said, hey, all we need is... A movie about a killer in a mall. No big deal. No big deal. So he said, sure, yeah, I'll do that. And he turned to his friend who was a writer named Steve Mitchell and pitched the idea. So the two of them got together and they start working out this concept. Mm -hmm. And both of them immediately realized that the whole like slasher craze and teens being killed were... It was just boring as hell. And if they didn't do something special they were going to get lost in the fold. So they wanted to do mm-hmm. something that would stand mm-hmm. out. And as Steve said, it was Jim. He gives credit to Jim Wynorski who uttered the, the greatest line or question ever, which was, what if they were robots instead?
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> like every conversation a stoner ever had.
0: And I will say this is a stroke of genius because this is what will absolutely make this film stand out is imagine if it had just been and around the same time. I'm I don't I didn't look up the dates, but Phantom of the Mall, you know, with Polly Shore and stuff. That I think that was around the same time too. <laughs> uh, oh. so This was a really smart idea by Jim Wynorski was saying, how can we separate ourselves from the pack? Well, let's make it about these killer security guard robots called Mm. Killbots. Yeah. And that was the working title was Killbots. And so they didn't know if this was a good idea or not, but they pitched the idea back to Julie, who pitched it to Roger. And they pitched it to Vestron and immediately they said everybody loved it. (sighs) Some accounts is like within the week. Some was the next day, but they got the green light without even a script written. Just idea alone. Yeah. Yeah. And said, yeah, go for it. So that's how Killbots got up and running. Yeah. The next major development in getting this to become a, a real movie was uh, Jim and Steve were out for coffee. They uh-huh. were just hanging out at a coffee shop as they were leaving They ran into a mutual friend named Robert Short. Robert Short was a a effects guy and a props guy and everything like that. And he actually was super accomplished. He had worked on a ton of films like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Piranha, E.T. He did the mermaid costume for Splash.
1: Oh, that was solid. Yeah.
0: And they all just started talking and hanging out because they were friends. And Jim was like, hey, we're working on this new film about killer robots. You want to do it? And uh, Robert said, yeah, sure, of course. Why not? It sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So the way Robert describes it is that Steve handed him a little sketch of what they were thinking. And Jim was really the visionary that had a a clear idea of what kind of robot he wanted it to look like. Okay. And he really wanted it to look like the robots from this 1954 sci-fi film called Gog. And if you look up the robots from that, they really do look very similar to killbox they're the, they're very boxy you know kind of these long little arms that fold up and stuff like that so i never knew that and when i looked into it, i've not seen that movie but now i want to watch it
1: is it g o g g
0: no just g o g
1: okay i'm looking it up now I see it.
0: Yeah. So that's what the original concept was based on. And then they just modified it from there. We're going to hold off on the real discussion of the robots yeah, until yeah. a little bit later because they are, I mean, obviously like the coolest part. So the team's assembled. They've got a really good start. And now they have to write the script. Uh, but once they do, they're given, it, some say 800,000, but Jim in an interview that I listened to said they only got 650,000. To make this entire movie, which when you think about it, and it's shot on 35 millimeter and everything else with all the props and stuff, that's uh, really stretching your money out wisely because it looks pretty awesome for $650,000.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: So that's it. But they've, they've got their crew ready, and now they've got to turn their sights on who they're going to assemble to pull this all off on the cast.
1: They've got to find a cast, and they've got a lot of cameos, which we'll get to. Yeah but we do have the cast is made up of a bunch of couples so a bunch of it's four couples
0: yeah how do you feel about this cast like the way that they're introduced and the look of them and stuff like that Do you think this is a smart choice to have a bunch of couples instead of just random
1: well kids? i mean it makes sense and this movie we also have to say is 77 minutes long <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's a quickie it's very fast, but we do have a lot of familiar faces and some newbies, but basically everybody in here does a great job. They do what they're meant to do. So I don't want to say they're like great actors. Some of them actually are.
0: Yeah. Some of them really stand out.
1: Yeah. But they all do their assigned task well, because in a movie like this, you You'd kind of suspend the desires for great acting and <laughs> say can can you horror act you know, while the killbot chases. Him?
0: You can shoot your butt with a laser.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a different it's a different ask from an actor or an actress. But we do have some like top tier pros here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I do say I, I think before we even get into who was in this, mm-hmm. this is kind of the formula for a lot of the films that become kind of cult classics or real staples. Think about uh return of the living dead or something like that. Yeah. It really does revolve around the cast. And if it's really well cast, it's like capturing lightning in a bottle. And uh, Jim knew that too. and He talks about that in his interviews is they, they took it seriously to find the right people. Yes. But I don't think anybody was prepared to, to see just how well they all work together. And that's really Part of the legacy is you just get the right people with the fun script, and it just yeah. it does its work for you.
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. So we have, as I I would say, the star of this film is Kelly Maroney.
0: Oh, really? That's who you'd say the star is, huh?
1: She's the the final girl.
0: That's true. She is the final girl.
1: Our final girl, then, we'll say, is Kelly Maroney, whom we know from. Our very first
0: episode, Night of the Comet, oh, one of my favorite films.
1: And would you like to know how she was cast or why she was cast? I would, yeah. Because Wynorski says he wanted to date her.
0: Yeah, well, that's very on brand with Jim Wynorski.
1: Well, which is weird because, I mean, she's beautiful and lovely, but there were some hot hotties in this and he chose her to be the... The one he had the hots for.
0: Yeah, boy, Jim, man. The more interviews you listen with him, he is a product of the eighties. Yeah, for sure. Okay. He is. Ooh, man, he's a little rough, but he makes some fun films.
1: Okay. <laughs> she plays our our final girl, Allison Parks. Our final boy is named Ferdy. Oh, <laughs> Ferdy. Well, I think it's short for Ferdinand. <laughs> like, for reals, if you were named Ferdinand, which I kind of wish you were.
0: Yeah, I would be a good Ferdinand.
1: I would call you Ferdy. Okay. And if you had gas, I'd, I'd, I'd call you Farty Ferdy.
0: Oh, I thought you'd call me Nerdy Ferdy.
1: Oh, no, that's just in general.
0: Okay. Sounds uh, like a garbage pail kids card.
1: Oh, yeah, that's perfect. He's played by uh, Tony O'Dell, whom hardcore Karate Kid fans would recognize. He's Karate Kid 1 and 2. With
0: that couple alone, how cool would it be, though, if she was still in her Night of the Comet outfit, the cheerleading costume with Ooh, the Uzi?
1: It would have been perfect. Well, she was in a
0: mall in that movie, too. Yeah. Well, okay.
1: All movies in the 80s were made in malls.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> glad we've sorted that. So that's our couple number 1. We have another couple played by Russell Todd and Carrie Emerson. They play Rick and Linda Stanton. So I thought this was teenagers, but they have the same name. So they're a married couple and we kind of learned they have I think a business that is a car repair business. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Russell Todd who plays Rick Stanton is from Friday the 13th part 2. And Carrie Emerson is from something called Evils of the Night, which I'm curious oh, about. Oh, yeah.
0: Evils of the Night. Boy. Have you
1: seen it? I don't think yeah, I have.
0: Yeah. I've been trying to get us to cover that for a long time.
1: Okay. I will. She's a babe and a half.
0: She's an uber babe. And yeah. Jim was talking about her because she just dropped off the face of acting. Yeah,
1: she really did.
0: And there's a reason for that. Why? Well, he was saying, we'll talk about another, our our big cast that we haven't gotten to yet, that member. Mm-hmm. loved auditioning whereas he asked her they had a 29th anniversary union or something like that where they did a screening downtown la or something like yeah everybody got back together and he asked like what happened to you why why did you just stop acting all of a sudden because he said she was not only a good actress but she was also just like stunning she's really quite and beautiful. it was that she hated auditioning it like gave her severe anxiety she just couldn't stand yeah. it and she just said it wasn't worth it. And he said, which is crazy because she really could have just gotten a ton of roles.
1: Well, I also think about what, as a gorgeous woman in the 80s, what auditioning meant. I don't think that probably was a good experience.
0: We should really do Evils of the Night. I put it in okay. our selection stack a bunch. I and haven't seen it. It is really cool. It's weird. It's like two different movies in one. So let's put a pin in that, but... Uh, I would like to get to that one sooner than later.
1: Okay. Well, and her partner uh, and her her couple is Russell Todd from Friday the 13th. Uh, he plays Rick. Rick, But he's also the handsome guy. Like, this is yeah, the a super couple. attractive couple. He's got dimples. so
0: Oh, so he's a nice guy.
1: Obviously, he's kind. And then we have our third couple played by yeah. Barbara Crampton.
0: Boy, she was the big one. So she is coming right off of Reanimator had already come out.
1: She's basically from everything.
0: Well, it would go on to be in everything, but Reanimator was massive. Yeah. And then this same year of, of this one, uh, From Beyond came out. So this was a big time for her mm-hmm. where she was establishing herself as really this major scream queen that was up and coming. And of course she's a super cutie too. And mm-hmm. Having her on board, I just, this is what goes back to the casting is, I mean, yeah. come on. It's this good. Is like a great cast.
1: It's very good. She plays Susie Lynn, who's in a couple with Greg Williams, played by Nick Segal, who is from a movie that I feel like I've seen before. I looked up his credits and there's a movie called School Spirit and it looks like a pervy ghost
0: yeah i think i've seen it too
1: i feel like i've seen it but i feel like i need to see it again (laughs) i was like oh (laughs) i'll watch that
0: and it's interesting um to note that they're not teenagers per se they're all working at the mall so they're kind of like young adults
1: yeah i was i thought they were teenagers too but then i remembered when you and i first got married i i worked at the mall i worked (laughs) at two jobs at the mall simultaneously i worked at hallmark and hot topic at Ugh. the exact same time so i would wear old lady slacks and then after work at hallmark i would go into the bathroom in the back i would put in my spiked nose ring and put on a spiked belt <laughs> and walk over to hot topic and work there well they co-closing. demanded
0: you to like be this way too and uh-huh. we already couldn't stand like This is a sidebar, but because we were super elitist, uh, especially this was like height elitism. Hot Topic was the epitome of everything poser in our mind. And you needed a job really bad and they were right down the hall and you took it. I think you lasted like what, three months there or something? I
1: did, and then I quit both <laughs> jobs and went and worked at a dog daycare. Yeah,
0: you couldn't take it. I thought that was so funny, but <laughs> I love that you forever are going to be associated with Hot Topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I sold so much crap to, like, 14-year-olds. Anyway, and then our final couple is John Treleski, who played Mike Brennan, and he, he's been a pretty successful director. He was in a bunch of stuff, like acting wise, but he did the Zoe's Infinite Playlist. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he, he directed quite a few episodes of that. And then we have Susie Slater, who's pretty much from nothing that I knew of, but she plays Leslie Todd, and she's a babe too. But
0: Yeah, I think she was like a Playboy model or something like that.
1: Good for her.
0: Yeah, it's a fun cast. I really do enjoy the dynamic. I think it's cool that the whole premise of they're all working at the mall and they're kind of gonna be sneaky and Mm -hmm. have a make out party when everything closes down that is so fun like what a great idea already to start the movie Mm -hmm. but we have this sub story that's happening which the film starts with where the mall is going to be patrolled by robotic security guards Mm -hmm. which look so incredibly cool they look like like, Short Circuit on steroids.
1: Well, funny that you mention that, because this starts in the same way as Short Circuit.
0: Does it? I haven't seen that movie in forever.
1: I loved Short Circuit. because. Really? Well, my parents... I like Part 2 a lot. My parents only <laughs> let us watch, like, G and PG re- rated movies when I was a kid. Because, you know, that's how I was raised. And Short Circuit was one of those family movies that we watched a lot.
0: Do you think it holds up?
1: I don't know. I haven't seen it in like 20 years.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. It
1: probably doesn't because the first quote I'm thinking of is not quite right.
0: <laughs> well, so it wasn't based on... like they.
1: No, no. But it's like a lightning strike makes... Oh, that Ch- changes right. things. That's
0: right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I what do you think of the robots? Let's let's talk about the robots, why not?
1: Okay. Um you know, they're okay. Oh,
0: you don't think they're cool? Mm. What would you have preferred in Mariah's world of better things? Well they're <laughs> Let's
1: get started. Let's talk get about out your you, notepad. Talk
0: about how you would improve Chopping Mall.
1: Well, they're short. And I feel like you have to be kind of stupid. I mean, maybe like an one accidental death. But I feel like you could really easily evade them. And it feels almost like these youngsters were so stupid that they're like, let's just see how easily we can all be killed. What?
0: There's laser beams that they're shooting they at
1: you. They could have hidden easily.
0: They also got guns and tried to shoot at them. So it's not like they were stupid. They were trying to defend themselves. These were just security guards.
1: They could have just hidden.
0: Okay. That's true. I guess they could have.
1: They could have just sat through the night quietly waiting.
0: <laughs> and then let everybody else die when they came to discover them the next yeah, day. And
1: then, you know, let the, let the chips fall as they may.
0: Well, let's talk about the killbots. They're okay. like these kind of tank bottom half
1: they have like a uh, triangle shaped wheels so that they can like climb stairs or yeah something. it's got
0: a little bit of that terminator look to it for sure but it they're they're really cool the design's really cool robert short who we discussed who you know was the one that was in charge of it mm-hmm. took it really seriously and i think that The main ones were modified electric chairs that they built around with this kind of shell so that it could run. I see it. And then he put uh, car batteries in them and stuff like that and (laughs) really beefed it up. And then he said that they were so powerful that if you turned them on, they would just peel out because they were so (laughs) strong. So that's why they came up with that rubber track that went around the wheels was to get traction so they would take off. And he said he clocked them at... Which doesn't sound like a lot until you think about it. Eight miles per hour <laughs> for a robot? Those things whipped around.
1: Watch out. Yeah. In the 80s? That's, <laughs> That's like, like yeah,
0: <laughs> 60 miles an hour in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he, he built those. They're okay. super heavy, but they look really cool. They've got this kind of uh, Knight Rider, you know, visor, oh, high yeah. beam thing on the front. And there were three of them. Mm-hmm. Designed to to patrol, wink, and they really were uh, just remote control robots. They actually did work and ran around. And
1: but did they kill?
0: Yeah, they for sure. Okay, we just that's the untold stories.
1: Yeah, we've actually got one patrolling our house right now. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Thank you. girls. Have a nice day. <laughs> well, the other thing that they had to build though was one that was like a costume that somebody could wear.
1: Awkward. And this
0: was mainly because the original design, the width was for the escalators at a specific mall that they were going to shoot at, which then fell through at the last minute. (laughs) So they had to switch locations and those escalators were much shorter or narrower Uh and the Killbots couldn't go up the escalator anymore. So that shot where they're going, the iconic shot of them riding the escalator up, (laughs) which makes me laugh. If you look, it's very cleverly cut because you only see from the top half up. And that's somebody wearing the top half as a costume, just riding the escalator. (laughs) And then they had a third one that was built that was just the chest, basically, where you get those, you know, a little stun gun that shoots out Uh and stuff like that. So they could do these close ups because as um, Robert said, why put everything into this robot if you don't need it? Like, that's just more work. So. So they had these kind of different versions of them to pull all this off and then the voice itself that was voiced by none other than the director jim Wynorski. which boy that's funny let's listen to a little sample of what he what he sounds like as a Killbot. may i see your identification badge
1: please Jeez, you little bastards are quiet
0: it's mm-hmm. probably one of the most charming parts of this film
1: yes yes i agree and actually i also heard that the hands on the killbots, the
0: little pinchers uh-huh. yes
1: were like the grabby claws that all of us got for christmas in the 80s
0: <laughs> yeah it is uh steve the writer who also did a lot of second unit actually he shot the the escalator shots and stuff like that
1: did he wear the costume
0: no he didn't wear the costume because he was shooting that scene but he said, yeah, they ordered them from China. They were like those little grabby claws. And uh-huh. then they just made them look robotic. And then he said, if you clapped them, they just sounded like cheap plastic. But once they put in the sound effects <laughs> of like metal smashing. <laughs> yeah. He was like, wow, this really came together.
1: <laughs> I got one of those grabby claws for Chris. Actually, I take that back. My middle brother got one for Christmas. I immediately overpowered him and took it and used it for like eight minutes and was disappointed.
0: Yeah, they are really fun for a second to just like pick something up and set it down and then you're kind of over it.
1: It's kind of like the clapper. It sounds good and then you're like, yeah, well, I can just use my hands. I mean, you use your hands to use the clapper, but you can use your fingers to turn things off. That's true. Okay.
0: Way to get to the bottom of that.
1: Thank you. I'm a super sleuth. You heard
0: it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Also, speaking of cast, there is kind of this secondary cast of a a bunch of cameos in here. Some you may recognize right away. Some you may not. Did Did you catch any of them?
1: No, I did in my research, but not while I was watching it.
0: One of them I knew, of course, Dick Miller playing the janitor. I mean, he's from everything. Gremlins, the Burbs, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The Howling. I I knew him, but when I was looking into some other stuff, I have to be honest, I've seen this movie a ton, but I've never looked at like an IMDb. Why would I I just watch the movie and I'm done with it? Angus Scrim, the tall man from Phantasm, is credited as Dr. Carrington. And I was like, wait, what? I what? never recognized him. He? Well, it's because you don't even really see him. He's the guy who stands up at the beginning when they're showing off the, the security guard the robots. robots and asks, like, well, is he going to kill him? You know, he's yeah. the, the older doctor <sighs> oh. asking the questions. But you only see him from a distance and from the side. And so, but that's Angus Scrim.
1: Sure, okay.
0: And then the other big ones, which I wouldn't have known because I've never seen the movie still to this day. I know we're going to get hate mail for this because we both have not seen it. Was Paul Bartel the director and Mary uh Warnoff who are their characters from the movie Eating Raul, which I've always wanted to see. And interestingly enough, yes. Our friend Brandon was doing a like a film party the other night and that's the film he was going to show. There was a little bit of complications and I was like right in the middle of doing all this stuff at my house and couldn't watch it. And I thought, man, I really wanted to see that movie only to find out the very next day. Oh, I really wish I would have seen that movie because I would have yeah, been very relevant for this episode. But that's who they are. And so fans of Eating Raul would have recognized them. And they're sitting in the front. They're the ones, the couple that's wisecracking while these robots are being oh, shown off. Oh, the
1: really obnoxious couple.
0: Super obnoxious. And what had happened was they weren't originally in the script. And then I don't really know the whole story of why they were given a role,
1: okay, but
0: they were just worked in. And Jim said, well, just let them ad-lib their lines Do their then. Do thing. Yeah, so all that stuff that they're just saying and doing in character from the other film uh, is all just ad lib.
1: So it's a little crossover.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a fun little thing, especially for fans of both movies.
1: All right, well, let's look into the movie without doing a direct walkthrough, because we've all seen it. But just for those of you maybe who need a little refresher... This movie takes place in a mall. Yeah. Big surprise. We've talked about it once or twice already. The mall was actually the Galleria in Sherman Oaks, California, which you might recognize because it was also where Fast Times at Ridgemont High and part of a scene from Commando filmed there.
0: Do you know if that was it? I feel like even more films were done at at that place.
1: I don't know, because I know, actually, I know that more were, but those were the two big names. But I kept thinking of Weird Science, but it wasn't.
0: It wasn't? I don't think so, at least. Well, I just, I feel like I've heard that name come up so many times. So Uh I'm sure there's stuff. And if you know it and and you're listening right now and you're like,
1: dude,
0: this awesome film was there. We can't cover everything right now, but I have a I have a hunch that there were a couple other big films that were shot there that I'm just unaware of.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know, whatever.
0: I love movies shot at malls. I, like, seriously, I think, can mall horror be a subgenre?
1: Yes. I love mall horror, too, because you think, what would I do? Yeah. How would I arm myself? And then when I happen to go into a mall now, who does that? But. Actually, I do because there's a a mall in our town called the Infinite Shop of Curiosities and our children are obsessed with it. (laughs) But mostly I avoid malls like the plague now.
0: I would love to like hang out and have free reign of a mall. Yeah. If it was the apocalypse, like Dawn of the Dead style, you got to have a mall. I would love it. You know what? It's so much fun.
1: You know what I would love? What? I would like to see Kevin McAllister. Take over a mall during a zombie apocalypse. So, Kevin from Home Alone in a mall during the zombie apocalypse, I feel like he could really wreak some havoc on zombies.
0: Are the wet bandits zombies?
1: Die. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. That's cool. I like that idea.
1: Thank you. Let's make it. Okay. Also, I don't really know where to fit this in, but it's an important tidbit and we need to put it in here. So, there's a point where we see a pet shop.
0: Yes, I remember that.
1: It's called Roger's Little Shop of Pets. Uh Uh-huh. And it is a nod to Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. No, I think there Ah. are a
0: lot of nods in this film to a lot of movies because... Uh, Jim and Steve both were like hardcore film nerds.
1: Yes absolutely and I honestly we can't cover them all because there are so many but the movie begins at Park Plaza Mall where there's a group of people learning about the new security system at this mall which is as we've already discussed the Killbots yeah (laughs) they're not called the Killbots but basically their new security is three robots and metal doors that close
0: Yeah, I really like that, too. So
1: they lock down and three robots protect the mall and all of its goods. However, after these robots are introduced, we fast forward a little bit. And there are a bunch of young couples, um, most of them, but not all, work at the mall. Yeah. uh, In different stores. And they're going to have like a weird sex and drinking party.
0: (laughs) It sounds like a good time, honestly.
1: Okay, it... It sounds reasonable when you initially think they're teenagers, but when you realize at least one couple is married, you kind of go, really, guys?
0: Hey, you know, some of those couples got to keep the spice up.
1: Yeah, but the Stanton couple, they have a business to run. If they get in (laughs) trouble... Like breaking into a mall.
0: Oh, you're really.
1: I'm an adult.
0: You're adulting right now. You need to tone it down. Okay.
1: (sighs) Let me take a deep breath.
0: Okay, just back it up.
1: Okay, these people who don't care about their business or their professional career, (laughs) they decide they're gonna go party at a furniture store in the mall after closing. The only
0: thing I don't like about this is that they all want to party in the exact same room, like where the beds are. I mean, at least find, like, your own cool little spot and then reconvene.
1: Like, go to a different store in the mall.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Why not? There's got to be
0: a trampoline somewhere or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so everybody, four couples. It seems like a lot of couples, but they're all going to party in a furniture store after the mall closes. And... You know, as they're partying, they're watching movies, they're drinking, they're dancing, whatever they're yeah, doing. Yeah, they're having fun. A storm rolls in and lightning hits them all and turns our security robots into kill bots. Now they're killing machines. Oh,
0: so great. They're
1: going to patrol like normal, but now they're also going to kill.
0: Yeah, and... Basically, the rest of the film is just them driving around doing cheesy one-liners in a robot voice yeah. and picking off these kids.
1: The end. Goodbye. We have to talk about two things. Hmm. One is our our hero, our heroine, Allison Parks, who works with Barbara Crampton's character Susie in a pizza shop. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to walk through this movie, but we have to talk about a few things that happen here. Okay. First of all, in the pizza shop, it is covered with uh, posters from Corman.
0: Oh, there's so many! Over
1: the all over. Second of all, the cook at the pizza shop. Even now, I feel immediately like I need to shoot vomit across the country, because <laughs> he's like rubbing stuff on his dirty, dirty shirt and smoking and cooking at an Italian restaurant. I can't, can't even. But uh, the third thing. And this is the final thing I have to mention about this pizza shop, is the girls are talking about the party plans for the night.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And I think it is Barbara Crampton's character Susie says it's going to be good times to the max.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: And as we heard that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I need to get that tattooed. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Just...
1: Good times to the max. Good
0: times to the max is yes. like the, our new life motto.
1: Yeah, why not? So there's those that.
0: Posters, by the way. Man, I would love to have those posters. Ugh sometimes hey. there's just movies where you watch an old movie and you see the posters on your wall and i'm just like man if i could go back in time
1: yeah weird science again we watched that and we were like ah
0: robot ninja too there's like all these incredible well <laughs> <laughs> i know sorry it's a deep cut. Nerd. there are some incredible posters on the wall too i'm like man if i could just go back in time and just steal all those posters but yeah there's fun there's a sorceress poster on the wall yeah man yeah, this is interesting. Another one of the one of the guys in this whole group has a certain something about him that you cannot overlook. And are that, you
1: are you talking about Mike? I'm talking
0: about Mike and his obsessive gum chewing.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: It's it's over the top.
1: Okay, you and I both have a problem with people who chew with their mouths open.
0: Yeah, like I seriously can't listen to it,
1: Mike. Has gum in his mouth. I believe through this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, he dies early. His gum chewing... I told you, I wanted to slap his face through space and time to smack the gum out of his face so that it shoots into outer space and becomes an asteroid. Like, it is so obnoxious. Every single thing. Even when he is, like, in the middle of an intimate moment with his girlfriend, Leslie... He's still chewing gum. Yeah.
0: So the story behind that, too, is uh, Steve was talking about that, the writer, because those two actually became really, really close friends and are still friends today. But he said that he, in real life, mm-hmm. was a super funny guy. Like He just had a great sense of humor and uh-huh. just knew how to like play a room and came up with this idea because the direction was you're supposed to be this jerk. And he said, you know, what would be like the biggest jerk move is if I was just obnoxiously chewing gum (laughs) the entire time. It's true. And so he came up with this thing and they all thought it was hilarious because he just nonstop is chewing gum obnoxiously, which makes him the biggest jerk ever.
1: Yeah, you're just like... Kill him. Yeah. Kill him. And
0: I, that's a really funny idea as a character.
1: Yes. And thankfully Mike is the first to die. He goes to buy cigarettes from a cigarette machine. Which remember Do you remember those? that? Oh,
0: I was like my best friend when I was under eighteen. Oh I'd find a cigarette machine.
1: Oh yeah, you smoked. That's weird. Yeah, for sure. I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. You either get the weird shady guy in the parking lot to buy you cigarettes or you Find the cigarette machine at the VFW.
1: Oh, creepy. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I never smoked. Anyway, thankfully, Mike dies real quick when it's like lightning and the lightning says kill anybody chewing gum obnoxiously because the kill bot finds him first and laser beams the gum right out of his face, I assume. I didn't see it, but I, <laughs> I presume.
0: The kills are really fun as they go on. Like, they're, they really do... They're creative, they're goofy.
1: So Leslie comes out and yes. this is our first like real kill. This
0: is the kill of the movie. She's running in just her underwear and a shirt. Yep. And the killbot's chasing her, zapping her butt.
1: With lasers. (laughs) With,
0: like, lasers and lightning and stuff. And then uh, she turns around and it blows her head off. And, man.
1: It's pretty graphic.
0: It's pretty awesome. It's, like, not scanner's level, but pretty damn close. It's, It's great.
1: Yes. And so at this point, like, with all the noise, all of the three other couples have come running and they see it happen. And then it kind of immediately, like... They understand the situation, so they spend a good deal of time arming themselves, trying to hide, prepping to fight the robots. But basically, they fail. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they fail. Yeah, they fail pretty hard. Barbara meets her demise uh-huh. uh, in a in a blaze of glory.
1: <laughs> yes. She's killed by a robot. <laughs> but they spent so much time arming themselves. You kind of were like, sorry, girl, you tried. It is funny.
0: In the interviews I was listening to, they said that was really intentional, that one of the things that they hated about all the mall movies. Uh-huh. Where that they just would run around getting killed. And they were like, you're in a mall. Why would you not arm yourself? There's,
1: yeah. Yeah, so they wrote that resources. in
0: intentionally to be more realistic. And then I thought about it and I'm like, but ultimately it didn't matter.
1: Nope. Fails. Susie dies. And now they decide that they need to go to level three, mm-hmm. which is where the like computer brain is held and they're going to shut down the main computer. So, like, that's a good problem solving, right? They're like, well, if we turn off their power source, because it's the 80s. Also, like, let's be realistic. Their batteries are going to last, like, four minutes. <laughs>
0: but okay, they, as they're cruising around, this is the other thing. The pacing is really fun. You know, you've got mm-hmm. all these, like, good-looking young cast running around, Getting killed in fun ways. You've got robots with cheesy <laughs> voices. Ways. Well, I mean, it's just got everything <laughs> you want. This film is really fun to watch. Yeah. The the other thing that we haven't even discussed yet is as this is all happening, you've got this incredible score the whole time. And this score was done by a really cool composer named Chuck Cyrano, who surprisingly, this was his very first feature.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I didn't know that. It's solid. He, oh, yeah. It's great. He went on to just do a ton, a ton of movies. He's done almost all of Jim's. I mean, not maybe all, but he's done a lot of Jim's. He's, you know, went on to do Deathstalker 2, Not of This Earth. Both of those were Jim's movies. Mm -hmm. Evil Tunes, Munchie. Like, he's just got so many credits to his name. But I listened to an interview with him in preparation for this, too. And I didn't know his backstory. I thought he was just a composer. Okay. He actually came out to L.A. as a filmmaker and kind of knew the business all the way around. He was working as an editor and a and a director and then just fell into composing and oh. was really good at it. And this was his first big break, but then continued to do it full time. And I mean, he's still like, he's directing movies now and stuff like that on his own. I don't think we can mention enough how important the score is.
1: I agree fully. It is like perfect. It's so perfect.
0: fun. It's just this like... Cheesy 80s electronic. Actually, let's just play a clip from it. it? I love it. And it did get uh, a vinyl release. Did it? Yeah, Waxwork Records oh, released wait, yeah. it. Pretty limited. It's hard to find now. I do have it. It's this pink record. Yeah, it's one of my favorite yes, yes, yes. soundtracks, actually. It's a it's a see-through pink vinyl mm-hmm. and then the cover art is this really cool stylized like the mannequins all in a row but one's got its head removed cool very cool vinyl if, if you can get your hands on it it's it's worth it but i just wanted to take a, a moment to mention chuck's work because i think that the score in this is like top notch
1: so you said john or that he did, chuck did death stalker 2 yeah so john terlesky the obnoxious gum guy was in Deathstalker Yeah, he's,
0: he yeah. got the role because of this. Yeah. Because Jim didn't know him prior to this.
1: Oh, and, and he liked his gum chewing.
0: He liked his gum. Well, he what he said was that he just... He knew he had something about him. He, there was just this presence about yeah. him. He was so funny and charming and able to just deliver... That he knew, like, we got to give this guy another shot. And that's why he gave him Stalker* 2, which of the series, which I just watched them all again recently. Okay. Stalker* 2 is definitely my favorite. It's really fun to watch.
1: Interesting. I feel like that guy, um, John Trusky, I know he directs now, but I feel like he could have been... Just his acting style, a professional wrestler, if he had bulked up a bit.
0: Yeah, he could have really. And he could have like played the heel. Like he could have been that jerk, like a razor Ramon. That's always like, you know, chewing gum or got a toothpick in and is like just picking fights. Yeah, Yeah. he could have done it. Actually, yeah, for sure. Actually,
1: I'd straight wrestle him in a death match with that gum situation.
0: (laughs) Your finishing move would just be like slapping the gum out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, to death. And then he would just fall over, <laughs> It'd be like Samson with his hair, but it would be him with his gum. Yes,
1: I like this. Let's make it happen. But I also and his, cu-
0: and his wrestling name would be Bazooka. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Another thing I appreciate about this movie, though, is that they kill the couples. Like, yeah, first, second, girl, boy, boy, girl, whatever. So. Since Barbara Crampton's character Susie dies, obviously her boyfriend Greg has to die. Yeah. And he is thrown off of, like, it's a multi-level mall and he's thrown off by a robot. And I have a little bit of information about this. Oh, what's that? Well, Wynorski was saying, you know, I'll do this to prove to you that it's not that hard
0: what fall off of the top like yeah. onto a bag or something but
1: instead of falling from the 3rd he decided to fall from the 2nd floor
0: uh-huh
1: he did he broke a rib and he didn't Jim did he didn't tell anybody <laughs> That's he like funny. kept it quiet although as a person who has broke a, broken a rib you can keep it to yourself it's misery but it's it's one of those things where you go to the hospital and they're like yep you broke a rib yeah, okay.
0: I cracked a rib too. When I was skating, I came down on the coping and just landed wrong and right yeah, there. Yeah,
1: and what can you do? It's not like they make a rib cast. So he just kept no. it to himself To because he had done it to prove that it was
0: <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Dude, broken ribs suck. Trying uh, to breathe, trying to sleep. I hated that.
1: I broke a rib coughing, but I was... Yeah, that was weird. Well, I... had. I had strep throat as an adult, and I forgot adults could get strep throat. So so we let it go on for far too long until I broke a rib from coughing. And then I went and got antibiotics and was fine like two days later. But I was still like had a lingering cough for about a week and a half. And every cough, I was like, (sighs) because it hurts so bad. So I tried a gentle cough.
0: Oh, yeah, it was... It was brutal when I when I cracked my rib skating. I just breathing in and out felt like somebody was hitting me with a baseball bat every time. That's and it not... takes
1: yeah, it takes forever for it to heal. It
0: does, yeah. It's not fun. Okay, well, now that we've talked about broken ribs,
1: and let's talk about all the bro- bones we've broken. Well, this film. Okay, so <laughs> no,
0: that's okay. basically the the premise is that teens are not teens, but young couple locked in a in a mall. Robots go crazy.
1: Yeah, we're down to our final couple. We've got Allison and Ferdy. Oh, two couples, because Rick and Linda, remember, they're mm-hmm. there. They all make their final stand in, like, a. they go into a department store. They try to, I guess, confuse the robots by <laughs> putting up mannequins and mirrors, and apparently it works. But Linda and then Rick are both killed. Rick, however, rage rams a robot and... Like with a golf cart, (laughs) and he kills it, but he also dies in the process. So we're down to Allison and Ferdy, and one final robot. Allison and Ferdy like go after it, but it looks like Ferdy dies. Allison's now flying solo. And she runs into a paint store, like you do, and she spills paint and, like, chemicals, and she tries to set up a trap. It's kind of weak, but she's desperate. And then she shoots a flare into it, and it kills our final robot. It's morning. Ferdy's awake. Allison's there. They've survived. Our final girl, our final boy.
0: It's such a... I don't know. This is kind of just so brilliant script writing. I know it's... It's going to sound funny saying that, but it's so easy to follow. Yeah. It's so basic. Like, you get a, a bunch of couples so that each couple can kind of pick off a robot by themselves and die in the process. Uh-huh. Like, it's just so smart. Absolutely. And thinking that they wrote this pretty quickly. and Oh, yeah. And they, they pulled it off, too. The filming, too, went pretty fast. I think it, it was, was like 20 days or something.
1: Yeah, it was less than three weeks.
0: Yeah. It just, it's so, it's like a note to future filmmakers is don't overthink it. Like... Just come up with a fun idea, shoot it, and and just let it do its work. You know, you get a good cast, get a good location. Yeah, I do think that getting a good you know set designer and also the effects artist and having somebody really be able to design some fun robots, it, it all worked out really well. You got this amazing score. Mm-hmm. The film itself, you know, it, it gets wrapped up. They they see what they have. I think that they felt pretty confident that they had a fun film. Nobody thought it would go on to, like, be a major success. They knew that they were doing yeah. a B movie for Vestron. But they did get it into a couple theaters, and they did a test screening in mm-hmm. Arizona. And the test screening when it showed... So here's some clarification for people who are fans of this movie. Killbots versus Chopping Mall. Mm-hmm. It was originally called, still to this time, called Killbots. Mm-hmm. And they, they show audiences. And... It bombs hard at this test screening, and a large part of it is because of the name
1: Killbots.
0: It just wasn't working at all. It just was a turnoff. And so they have to figure out something. And in Mm -hmm. doing so, I have this week's fun fact.
1: Ooh.
0: Okay. So as the story goes, now keep in mind, Jim Wynorski is quite a storyteller. And so take it with a grain of salt. But okay. I, I kind of believe it. Jim, and I think Roger was there, and everybody, they're like sitting in the projection room after this bomb. And they're going, well, what do we do? Like, Kill Bots is not working. We need, We need a better title. And as Jim tells it, there's a guy in the screening room changing the light bulb, eavesdropping, mm-hmm. and turns to all of them. And says, why don't you just call it chopping mall? And all of them stopped and were like, oh, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Let's do that. And so they agreed on the spot to call it chopping mall. Jim went, change the artwork out mm-hmm. to be the artwork that you know that's on my shirt right now.
1: There's also artwork that's like a zombie hand. You yeah. know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the original. And then I think they changed it to do more of the like robot Robotic hand and hand. stuff like that. Change the artwork, change it to Chopping Mall. A week later, they show it again in Arizona to a test audience, and it is a huge success. Ugh. And there you go; it gets a theatrical run, all this kind of stuff. Now, the details side of things is that Vestron and Roger Corman cut a deal, and that was that Vestron got to keep all of the the proceeds and the rights to the home release. And Roger got the theatrical and the TV release. And that's kind of how they split it up. Okay. You can probably guess who came out on top there.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: So, theatrically, it did okay. I mean, it definitely did well enough that they considered a sequel for a long time, but it didn't happen. Which I think is a good thing. I really like that it's just its own little special thing. Mm -hmm. It did get a TV run. And interestingly enough, that's where Killbots comes back into play. It got re-edited for TV, so they took out all the stuff that you couldn't show. Yeah, they kind of uh, padded and fluffed up some areas that that kind of bogged down the pacing a little, mm-hmm. and then rebranded it as Killbot. So if you've if you've seen that, that's why. But it's home video that this movie took off on VHS.
1: Oh yeah, because you see that cover and you're gonna oh, buy it's or rent so it. So great,
0: it's sitting right there on our shelf. So it was put out, even though it was a Vestron movie, it was put out on Lightning, which is one of our favorite. Actually, Evils of the Night is a Lightning release. Okay, Street Trash, all those. Those are all Lightning. <laughs> so it comes out on Lightning. Um, like you said, probably one of the most iconic 80s horror covers you can think of is is Chopping Mall. <laughs> so needless to say, that was a, a massive hit. And then over the years, it became a huge cult following. And Jim and everybody else didn't even know that until a few years back when they were looking at IMDb oh. and saw all the the posts and stuff about it.
1: Oh, they had cute. no
0: clue that that film had taken off. And so as a result, uh, Jim actually had one of the the original negatives, not the the negative negative, but he had like an you know a offshoot of that. And it did all the work to have it rescanned and everything else, and the the original sound and everything rescanned. Okay. And that's when the Blu ray came out recently, that is absolutely oh. stunning. Came from, from well, it it's is.
1: breathtaking.
0: Seriously, if you're a fan of these films and you've watched them on VHS like me, yeah. and they're dark and you're, it's hard to see, and then you see these high, like yeah. 2K, 4K scans, it's pretty incredible.
1: What was it we were trying to watch recently on VHS where it was like pure black?
0: There's so many, like Prom Night is notoriously that, impossible. It. I mean, you yeah. can't even watch it. Yeah. And even films like hack a lantern looks really great on VHS. I do like it because that's how I know it. But the Blu-ray copy is really... It's like a totally different movie. You're
1: like, oh, that's what they were doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty incredible to see. Huh. But the, that's where you get that Blu-ray is Got from it. Jim's personal copy. He just had one. And so he, he did that. And it's... All in all, I mean, it's be- it's become what we know today. This a iconic, treasure, yeah. It's a really is a treasure of '80s cheesy horror.
1: <sighs> Let's ask Elon Musk to send it into space to the aliens to oh, tell them about a, our culture. Put
0: it on a gold laser disc.
1: I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, why not?
0: Well, this, I mean, goes without saying. This is Laser Graves approved for sure. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. There is really a checks all the the boxes for a classic 80s fun movie
1: and it's only 77 minutes true
0: and that's intentional i found out during these interviews they were saying roger had a, a, a fast rule corman said i guess if it was under a certain number you didn't need an additional uh, film reel to be sent to all the theaters Oh, so it was like it saved shipping. So it had to stay under like 80 minutes or something like that. So they had to stay really strict. And there was some clarification because there was all these rumors about when it was renamed chopping mall, that 15 Mm -hmm. minutes was cut out of it. And they, everybody shot that down right away. Like Jim said, the version that you see is the definitive. That's the version they screened at the very first day. Nothing has ever changed. Yeah, I was
1: a bit confused about that too. Yeah. He
0: said it has always been because Corman wanted it. 77 minutes
1: well i actually read that corman invited Weinorski to a lunch and it was like he said i went to film school but this was like the abbreviated version and he had like a yellow notebook and he took down all of corman's advice over this lunch and he said he still uses it today and has memorized it because it's like just his hard and fast rules. I would love to see it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's not a surprise to me at all. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind that at the time, Jim was working for Roger Corman. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to absorb anything and everything because he's like the king of B movies for that generation. Cool. Well, that's it. That's shopping mall, man. That was fun. Yeah. It's been fun. You know, we really have only tackled a couple like really, really special ones to us. And recently Mm -hmm. we did motel hell too. And that's Uh fun. So there's a few more sitting on the shelf oh, over there. Oh, there's plenty,
1: but you gotta you gotta dole them out a little, like yeah. little sips, little sips here and there.
0: And after we uh, subjected you guys to Alien Warrior, which we love, we decided maybe we should throw you a bone and give you one that's a little bit more. Buddy is probably one of the greatest aliens in cinematic history. Just that's <laughs> I'm gonna I'll take that to my grave. Forget it,
1: Sigourney Weaver.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope you had fun. It was definitely for us good times to the max.
1: <laughs> I'm getting it tattooed. Goodbye.
0: So if you like what you heard, actually, if you want to hear, speaking a Night of the Comet, you want to hear our very first episode. Um,
1: oh. Enter I at your them. own risk. Because that was years ago. <gasps> oh, I haven't listened to it I so haven't long. either.
0: But. I don't think you can get it on iTunes anymore because it caps it like a hundred and we're way over that now. But if you go to lasergraves.com, I'm pretty sure you can hear all oh my of our gosh. episodes.
1: Those Just, old ones were ones that I fell asleep watching the movie.
0: You usually <laughs> fell asleep, yeah. But be gentle with us. But I really Night of the Comet too, I would strongly recommend that. It's oh. such a great movie.
1: Who were we then?
0: We lost puppies.
1: Aww. Just
0: looking around town for scraps. <laughs> <laughs> no but go to lasergraves.com also like we said we got a new feature on Patreon but thank you to everybody who is a patron that really does mean a lot to us and we hope that you're enjoying the content we're putting on there and then if you want to follow us on Instagram we're at lasergraves that's where you can find us get us and I don't know that's about it till next week we'll see ya
1: (laughs) okay bye bye
0: thank you have a nice day Thank you.